Amen. If you're in the room, you can have a seat. Uh, if you're at home, you can do whatever feels good because uh, we're not going to notice. Uh, if you want to lie down, if you want to stand up, and if you want to work out while the sermon's going, we're, we're good with all that. Uh, we're just glad that you tuned in and you're here. We're glad that all of you are here. I'm going to invite everyone, uh, whether you're in the room or at home, to take a Bible or a Bible app and turn to the book of Acts chapter 15. Acts 15 is our text, and if um, you don't have a Bible with you and you're in the room, grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you, turn to page 1097, and as always, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, take one of those with you, because we want you to have the Word of God and read the Word of God, because we know if you do that, God will change your life. Uh, if you're watching at home and you want a Bible, let us know. We would be happy to get one to you, however we need to do that. Hey, uh, a couple of things I'm going to mention before uh, uh, we dive into the message. And the first one is something I'm excited about. I know that Christmas is coming and everybody's thinking about Christmas, but I want you to think just for a moment about 2021. Because the second uh, weekend in January, we're going to kick off a series called Transformed. And uh, we're going to be uh, inviting you to join us for worship for seven weeks. Uh, of course, you can stay longer. Uh, we're inviting you to, to sign up to join a life group. And we're inviting you to pick up one of these workbooks that is a 49-day uh, devotion, as well as a place for notes for sermons and a place for the study in life groups. Uh, you can pick them up if you're in the building. You can pick them up out in the foyer after the service. Uh, we're asking for a $5 donation to cover some of the costs. They actually cost $12. But uh, we're just asking for five. Uh, and, uh, and if you can't afford it, I'll buy yours. You know that. Just come let me know. But uh, if you're... Uh, if you're watching uh, from home and you're in town, uh, then you can stop by the church office uh, either in Havasu or Parker. We'll be glad to have them there and make them available to you this week uh, because we want you to go ahead and get it and have it, but where they're going to be offered as well in January. But uh, this is a, a transformational uh, study, and we, if you want your life to be transformed, you want your life to be something different than it was in 2020, like we can't make political promises, we can't make health promises, but we can make spiritual promises, then you'll want to pick this up and you'll want to make this a commitment for the new year. Hey, the other thing I'm going to mention, uh, and it's just simply already been mentioned, we're having Christmas Eve services, uh, and uh, there's a lot of you that uh, have already expressed your faith in Christ in baptism, but there's some of you that, that are either watching or here that... Maybe you know Jesus as Savior, but you haven't ever publicly declared that in baptism. I can't think of a cooler service to uh, tell the world that you're a follower of Jesus than the one where we're celebrating his birth. So uh, if you want to get baptized Christmas Eve, let us know. We'd be, uh, be glad to do that. You can fill out one of the Connect cards. You can call the church office, email the church office, uh, flag us down on the side of the road. We're good with any of the methods that you choose. We just want to help you be obedient to Jesus. Uh, Hey, you know that some decisions are bigger than others, right? I mean, there, there's some decisions that affect us short term and some that reverberate throughout history uh, and, and literally are world changing. So for instance, about you know, a little over a month ago, we were all stressing about the election, not sure that ended a month ago, but, uh, and, and here's the thing, the election uh, for president over the next four years is gonna impact our lives. And maybe a little bit beyond that. Let's just be honest. But truthfully, I don't think if the world is still here that anybody 2,000 years from now is going to be discussing Trump-Biden. Okay? I really don't think it's going to be world-changing. Uh, same thing with COVID. 
you know, it's dominated our headlines, it's affected our lives, we're making all kinds of decisions that impact us, depending on where you live. Praise God for Arizona. And, uh, and so, you know, but no one's going to be talking about this generations from now. It's just, it, they're just not. It's not world-changing. Uh, but today we're wrapping up our series in the book of Acts. And yes, we're only halfway through the book of Acts, but we're, this is a stopping point. And we're looking at a world-changing decision that continues to impact us 2,000 years later. In fact, their decision 2,000 years ago is uh, why we're in the room tonight. It's why you're tuning in tonight. Uh, it's a decision that was made at what historians call the Jerusalem Council. And uh, it impacts everybody who is a follower of Jesus. So let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, Jesus, of course, died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and uh, shortly after that ascended to heaven. About uh, a few weeks after he ascended, then Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit came into the world. The church was born. 3,000 people were saved on day one, uh, and it kept growing. Uh, about five years later, Stephen, one of the deacons, was the first martyr of the Christian church. About five years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And then about 10 years after Jesus uh, left the, the earth, uh, the very first Gentile convert came to faith in Jesus Christ. We, we studied that in Acts 10. It's Peter and Cornelius and, and great story. And then about 16 years after Jesus left this world, the apostle Paul and Barnabas were sent out on the very first missionary journey. Uh, Pastor Joe talked about that last week, if you want to, to hear a little bit about that. And then today we're picking up, and it's been 20 years since Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. It's been 20 years since Pentecost, and we come to this thing called the Jerusalem Council. Uh, Paul and Barnabas come back from their first missionary journey. They are rejoicing. They are sharing with the church in Antioch the good news about the hundreds, probably thousands of people who made decisions to follow Jesus, their lives were changed, and, and they're telling the church about this, and they're teaching the church, and, uh, and everybody's excited until we get to chapter 15, verse 1. And it says, but, it's always that but, right? Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So this begins with the debate. And the debate is this, do people have to convert to Judaism to follow Jesus? Now, you know, 2,000 years later, we're like, no, of course not. But this was a big deal at this time. This is the defining moment in church history. Okay, th this is huge. I know we're looking at it like, ah, it just sounds like boring history. But now I'm just telling you the whole life of the church and everything that has to do with us was riding on this one moment. Is Jesus the Savior of everyone or only the Jews? Is Jesus the Savior of everyone or is he a Jewish Messiah only. Uh, now, the men who came there uh, to Antioch and started causing the problems were, were teaching 
that the Jews are God's people and Jesus came to save God's people. And if you want forgiveness from Jesus, then you have to convert to Judaism so that you become a Jew. And that means circumcision, following Mosaic law, sacrifice in the temple, living as a Jewish person because they believe Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and he came to save God's people. Uh, in fact, you see this in verses four and five of chapter 15. It says, when they, Paul and Barnabas, came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Look, the argument that they're saying is they got to convert to Judaism, they got to become just like us, and, and, uh, and that's how they receive the grace of God in Jesus. In other words, these people said we believe in Jesus, but they have to become Jews as well. Paul shared about thousands of people coming to faith. Gentiles coming to faith all across uh, Asia Minor. And some of them were rejoicing and some of them were grieving because they said, hey, they're not Jews. They've got to become Jews. They've got to be circumcised. Now, the interesting thing about this meeting is that everybody there believed in Jesus and everybody there was Jewish. Think about this. Everybody there believed in Jesus and everybody there was Jewish. 100% both of those. And, and they all believed that Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, they, that you have to ask forgiveness of sins from him and, and you have to confess him as Lord. But they were deciding what it meant to be a Christian. They were deciding. So let's talk about the decision. The decision and this is a big one, but they decided that salvation is through the grace of Jesus. Salvation is through the grace of Jesus. Pick up in verse six. It says, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, this has been going on for hours. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And God made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. See, Peter spoke. He told the story of Cornelius again. He said this is what happened. By the way, when we, when we preached about Cornelius, we talked about how significant it was that the Holy Spirit manifests himself on the Gentiles in exactly the same way as at Pentecost. So that Peter, the most credible apostle, and John, the second most credible apostle, would be able to say, hey, you know what, guys? We saw it, and it happened, and they received the Holy Spirit just like us. And they weren't circumcised, and they hadn't become Jews. This is why. Years later, that happened. We're talking about 10 years later. I mean, God's always working, and he's doing stuff in your life that will have fruit 10 years from now. Just trust me, if you live that long. Okay, just trust me. And if you don't live that long, you won't care. All right? But, but the reality is he's doing stuff. And, and so Peter stands up and says, hey, 10 years ago, this is what happened to me. 
Now, you think there's anybody in that room that's gonna stand up? Yeah, but you're just Peter. Sit down and be quiet. No, they were listening to him. And he said, look, this, this is what happened. Right after Peter, uh, James, who was the uh, brother, half-brother of Jesus, got up. He was the leader of the, the church in Jerusalem at the time. He got up and, and he reaffirmed what, what Peter said and said, here's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna ask him to do all this stuff. We're not gonna ask him to get circumcised. We're not gonna ask him to convert to Judaism. We're not gonna ask him to live by the law that we can't live by, that none of us have been able to keep, that has been a burden upon us. You see, that day, grace won. Grace won. You see, they decided to agree with the Holy Spirit that Jesus saves everyone who believes in him. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this uh, years later when he wrote the book of Romans. In, in chapter 10, he said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. So everyone means everyone. Yeah. Come on, if you're in a group watching at home, you gotta answer out loud too, Okay. Everyone means Jews and Gentiles, everyone. It means rich and poor, everyone. It means good and bad. Oh, really? But those people are really bad. Yes, it means everyone, good and bad. It means everyone, educated and ignorant, powerful and weak, men and women, black and white. We are saved by the grace of Jesus, period. That's it. It's the grace of Jesus. Salvation is through the grace of Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. And when you and I surrender to Jesus, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, by the way, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you are surrendering to him. When you confess Jesus as Lord, you're saying, I'm no longer in control of my life, God, you are. And I'm relying upon the, the death and resurrection of Jesus to pay for my sins. I can't do it. I am dependent on you. Period. So when we surrender to Jesus, we are forgiven. The Holy Spirit enters our lives, claims us for God, adopts us as his children, and starts changing us. Right? That's what happens. Now, please, please, please hear this. There is nothing that you can do to gain salvation. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation. There is nothing that you can do to deserve salvation. Period, nothing. There is nothing you can do to atone for your sins, not even one of them, much less all of them. And you know what they are. So does God. And, and, and see, there's nothing you can do. Salvation is through faith alone in Jesus. And, and, and this is the, the earth-shattering truth that changes everything if we really believe it, if we really embrace it, if we really hold on to it. And I really want you to. Can, can I just be honest? I don't, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve any of the blessings that I have. I don't deserve to be the pastor at Calvary. I don't deserve to have a wonderful wife. I don't deserve to have amazing children. I don't deserve to have incredible grandchildren. Right, Eli? <laughs> He's sitting in the back. I don't deserve any of that. You know, you guys know what I deserve? I deserve hell. I de that's what I deserve. The Apostle Paul, Romans chapter six, for the wages of sin is death. What you earn from your rebellion is death. Eternal death is hell. 
I have earned the right to go to hell. And guess what? Because you're a sinner, so have you. I deserve hell. And by the grace of God in Jesus, because that verse isn't done, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, our Lord. The gift is eternal life. The gift. You can't do anything to earn a gift. A gift is freely given. A gift has no strings attached. A gift is given to you. You simply receive it or reject it. I don't know if any of you have ever turned down a gift. I haven't. I've regifted some, but I haven't turned them down. Okay? Just being honest, because I'm a sinner, okay? I already told you that. But the reality is, it, it is the grace of Jesus alone that saves us. And, and, and I share this, and I'm, I'm, I'm staying on this point because I know, because I have conversations with people all the time that say things like, I'm trying to be a Christian. I hope I can make it. And that breaks my heart. Look, this is gonna sound crazy. I don't want you to try to be a Christian. I don't want you trying to be good enough. You can't be. It's a, it's a, it's a loser's bet. You can't be good enough. The only way you're getting to heaven is just to throw yourself on the mercy of Jesus because the mercy of Jesus is real and his grace is enough and you will be forgiven of all your sin. All of them. And your life is changed forever. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And I want you to get it because grace means that I deserve hell, but I get to go to heaven because of Jesus. What a wonderful truth. So look, the apostles had the debate. It was real. It was heated. It was divisive. The apostles made the decision, and they made the right one. So now let's talk about the results. What happened after that decision was made? Because, you know, it was 2,000 years ago, and they, met, and they made the decision, of course, and they said, this is what we're going to do. And, of course, everybody was happy, and everything was hunky-dory, right? Not exactly. Now, the first thing that, that I want you to see is that the gospel spread. Okay, the, the, the gospel had been spreading for 20 years. Uh, but now it exploded. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they went back to Antioch. They taught. They went uh, on another missionary journey, except uh, they didn't get along. They didn't agree on some things, so they went two different directions. That's fine. They started twice as many churches that way. Isn't that cool how that works? So even though they couldn't get along, uh, and they, they still kept serving God and starting churches all over the Roman Empire. The gospel spread. And, and thousands upon thousands of people came to faith because the grace of God is amazing. Because everybody's trying to be good enough and trying to earn their way to heaven and trying to appease God uh, or God's. And now somebody says, hey, look, if you place your faith in the man who defeated death because he was raised from the dead, then your sins are forgiven and heaven is promised to you. And uh, they were no fools. They said yes. The Roman Empire, there were so many people becoming Christians. The Roman Empire started persecuting Christians. They did terrible things to them, horrible things to them. And you know what that did? That just made the church grow more. In fact, the, the early church said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. They suffered horribly for about 250 years. Rome tried to stamp out Christianity. They failed to the point that in 313 AD, Emperor Constantine made Christianity legal. And 10 years later, he adopted Christianity as the official religion of the empire. You see, grace won. It's what it does. It changes lives. It changes the world. 
And of course, the gospel is still spreading today. Okay, if, if, you know, I don't care what the headlines say. I don't care how much stuff you hear that's bad. I don't care how depressed you are by the news. Just stop watching it. But I'm telling you that God is in control and people are coming to faith today. The gospel is spreading throughout South America, throughout Africa, throughout Asia. It needs to spread more in Europe and, and North America. But, you know, God is still at work because people are coming to faith. And, and here's the cool thing. Uh, you guys are supporting it. Calvary is supporting it. Last year, to the tune of $750,000 that we used to support worldwide missions. I think that's pretty cool. You're having a part in seeing people come to faith all over the world. And, uh, and he's doing it in our communities, Parker and Lake Havasu. I mean, God is changing lives. We've seen it happen. This year, 2020, and I mean, there's a lot of people talking about what a terrible year 2020 is. I don't care. This has been a great year. We've seen 215 people confess their faith in Christ in baptism this year. And the year's not over yet. So I'm just saying that. By the way, I just got to brag on them. 18 were from our Parker campus. Pastor Ruben's doing an awesome job, and he's sitting over here. So uh, you know what? God's at work in places where people said, nah, God, God abandoned that a long time ago. So uh, let me just say this again. If, if you're ready, now, first of all, if you haven't ever confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, can I encourage you to do that? Can I encourage you to do it tonight? Wherever you are, whether you're watching at home, whether you're listening with friends, whether you are in the room, if you have not said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, I confess you, then, then why not take that step? Grace is waiting for you. And if you have taken that step and you haven't declared that publicly, then, did I mention we're doing baptisms on Christmas Eve? What a cool time to celebrate new birth than at the birth of our Savior. So I'm uh, just saying, let us know. It'd be awesome. So the gospel spread. That's the good news. And then, of course, then there is the next part of that, which is the legalism pushback. Legalism pushback. Uh, hey, how many of you grew up in churches where rules were a big deal. They're always emphasized, telling you what you can do, can't do. Okay, lots of hands go up. Doesn't matter what flavor church it was. They seem like all of them like rules, don't they? Well, there have been legalists challenging grace since the Apostle Paul, since this Jerusalem council. I mean, the, the losers of that debate went ballistic. And, and in fact, a lot of them followed the Apostle Paul around his entire ministry. He was harassed, slandered, and challenged by legalists. He would start a church and he would go on to the next town and the legalists would follow him and come in and try to poison the well. Try to tell everybody, you got to convert to Judaism, you got to get circumcised, uh, or you're not really a follower of Christ. In other words, they were saying you got to believe in Jesus and do something in order to be saved. And if you want to hear the Apostle Paul's response, read the book of Galatians and the book of Philippians. They're both short. You can read them, you know, in a, in a day. You can read them in a couple days. But uh, Galatians 3, 4, and 5 are a direct response to this. Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul rants quite violently about them. So he just, yeah, it, it, they're, it's beautiful, but that's the context. And look, they're still legalists today. Uh, and, and, and they're in our churches. And, and they're using words that sound very lofty and ideal and biblical because they're always stressing holiness and repentance and accountability, which I believe in all of those, just not the way they mean. Because legalists, what they want to do is they want to put external expectations of behavior 
on everyone. This is what a good Christian does. This is what a good Christian doesn't do. You know, I don't smoke, drink, dance, or chew, or run with girls that do. Okay? I mean, you know, it's the, it's the list. It's like now that you experience the grace of Jesus, here's the expectations the church has for you. Now live up to them, or we'll throw you out. Well, we won't throw you out physically. We'll just ostracize you and talk about you and, and slander you and, and, you know, say all kind of, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens because people are emphasizing their goodness externally because what they want is for everybody to look the part of a good Christian. And what they in, unintentionally do is create hypocrites. They don't mean to. That's not their goal is to create hypocrites. But that's what they do because when you put external expectations on people and, and they're trying to fit in, then they're going to adopt an external expectation that is not where their heart is. And if you're doing something you don't believe in, that's hypocrisy. That's why your faith is so important. That's why it needs to be real. But when Jesus changes your heart, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, like nobody else has to convince you to do it. Nobody else does. So can I just tell you here at Calvary, and it's gonna sound really ridiculous, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, wait, wait a minute, because every church I was in that was really legalistic would also say that. But here's how we demonstrate it. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we believe it's his job to convict of sin and change your life. We believe it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict you of sin and to change your life. Why do we believe that? Because the Bible says so. We're gonna teach the Bible unapologetically. We're gonna share the truth of God's word unapologetically. We're gonna do it over and over and over again. And here's the thing, but we're not going to put external expectations on you. We're just gonna share with you what we think the Bible says and let the Holy Spirit apply that to your life because he will if you belong to him. And then you have to decide, am I gonna follow the Holy Spirit's guiding or am I gonna reject it? And if you follow it, then that's repentance. And then what, you know what's really cool what happens then? Is then you decide to change your life because the Holy Spirit in you is leading you in that way. And if you decide, if internal motivation is your reason for external change, it'll last. It'll last. If you're just doing it to conform to other people's expectations, it will not last. It'll crumble. So we're going to rejoice in our freedom in Jesus but I got to tell you, it leads us to a place of uncomfortable grace. Uncomfortable grace. Uh, you may think, well, you just told me how wonderful grace is. It is wonderful, but it's also uncomfortable because grace is for everyone, right? We already said this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone means everyone, yeah. And, and so grace is for everyone and grace is available to everyone. Look, God is not running out of grace. I got to admit, some of the churches I grew up in preached grace and acted like they had to ration it like toilet paper at Walmart right now. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, there's going to be a run on grace. We got to go get some before it goes, it goes away. No, God's grace is available to you. But God's grace is also messy. 
See, the church is a hospital for sinners. It is not a resort for the righteous. We say again, the church is a hospital for hurting people. Hurting people are messy. It's not a resort for the righteous. It's not a place for us to come and practice our holiness together and shine our halos. It's a place to get our hands dirty, serving other people, which means that, you know, there's messy lives all around us. And the early church was always addressing some messy behaviors. Read the letters of the Apostle Paul. He's always telling people, stop doing this. You're, you're killing yourselves. Stop, you know, it's not what we're called to do. And, and even in this letter that, that James wrote and sent out, they said, hey guys, you know, grace saves you, but why don't you stop hanging out for the sexual worship at the idol, you know, at the heathen temples and stop eating, you know, food sacrificed to demons, okay? Just, that doesn't, it's not congruent with your faith. So, you know, they were, they were still challenging them to stop those idol activities. And, and we struggle with that balance today as well. You see, everyone is welcome at Calvary, period. And some people are uncomfortable with that. You don't have to agree with us to come here. You don't have to have your life all cleaned up to come here. You don't have to, you know, behave like we behave. You don't have to believe in the biblical principles that we were singing about before the sermon. You don't have to believe that stuff. You're still welcome here. We're okay with your questions. We're okay with you checking things out. We're okay with you, you know, trying to discover the truth about God. Had a conversation with a lady this week that I, I serve in the community with. And I, again, invited her to church, and she said, hey, here's my problem. I believe in God. I don't really believe Jesus is a Savior. And, uh, you know, and I said, you're still welcome. She goes, yeah, and this is a funny thing. She goes, and by the way, I love Calvary people. I said, that's because you hadn't met all of them. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but no, I, she goes, I love Calvary people. And I said, yeah, I, that, I, I like them too. And, uh, and she goes, but I don't believe that Jesus is the one and only Savior. And, and I went, you're so welcome. Uh, but you know why, the, why you like those people? It's because Jesus has changed their life. <laughs> and... and uh, and I said, and, and, you know, and if you come, uh, just know we're going to try to get you to believe in Jesus because uh, he's the way to, to life. And, and she laughed and I laughed and, and I hope she comes. And, and see, here's the thing. I said, you're welcome here. You're welcome to come and explore, come and listen, come and see what God does in your life. Uh, so everyone is welcome and, and that sometimes makes us uncomfortable. And everyone, honestly, everyone can serve at Calvary as long as you can pass a background check. Um, like that, and we're just looking for sex offenders. That, that's what we're looking for. In case some of you are like, I don't want them to find out about, right, look, unless, that, we're just trying to protect our kids, okay? So everyone can serve at Calvary. Not everyone can lead at Calvary because leaders have different expectations according to scripture. Okay, we're just honest about that. And, 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 but we want everyone to follow Jesus because we know that obedience to Jesus results in blessings, not because you, you have to please God in order for him to save you, but because he saved you, you want to obey him because you love him. Because he saved you, you want to express your gratitude in following him obediently. Because we study the Bible, we encourage you to read the Bible, we know the biblical expectations. And by the way, we believe that if you read the Bible, you'll know the biblical expectations too. And then we're committed to this. We're committed to being patient while the Holy Spirit works in people's lives on his timetable, not our timetable. 
See, that's where legalists get impatient. They want you to change now. Here's what you're not supposed to do anymore. Here's what you gotta do now. Here's what, and, and that creates, that, again, that pressure to conform to external expectations and you hold to a form of godliness without the power. So we're gonna be patient and we're gonna let the Holy Spirit change your life because love is patient and love is kind. So if you think you're the only one in the room whose life is a mess, if you think everyone else has their act together, think again. Truth is, we're all a mess. We're all in the process of following Jesus. And some days we get it right and some days we need a lot more grace. All of us. That's the reality. And we're all living in that beautiful reality of God's grace provided by Jesus if he's your savior. See, 2,000 years ago, the decision was made and grace won. Has grace won your life? If not, then today we're gonna invite you to step into grace. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. Your grace is beyond amazing. Your grace is incredible and it is undeserved and yet we relish it. We praise you for it. We, we are filled with gratitude in our hearts because you have loved us and you sacrificed your one and only son to purchase us from hell. We didn't ask for it. We didn't beg for it. We didn't plead for it. We didn't work for it. You just did it. And, and so we wanna recognize that and tonight, we want to yield our lives to you and ask that you change us. First and foremost, forgive us of our sins. Fill us with your mercy as we confess. And God, help us to live lives that are obedient to you. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because grace is amazing. God, I pray that every person that's paying attention at all it's in the room that's watching from their homes, from their workplace, wherever they are. God, that you would visit your incredible, amazing, wonderful grace upon them right now. In Jesus' name, amen.